Osiris. Welcome to the State of the Garden. This is the official podcast of the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association. I'm your host, Tom Marshall. Welcome to State of the Garden, the podcast of the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association. We are in Princeton, New Jersey today, and my guest is Justin Zaremba. How are you, Justin? Doing well. Thanks for having me. So Justin is the chief editor. Uh, we talked a little bit about titles. You don't like titles, but... I don't like titles, but yeah, the lead editor of uh, NJ Cannabis Insider. Okay. And NJ Cannabis Insider is uh, affiliated with NJ.com and also loosely, or, or maybe not loosely, with the Star Ledger. Is that correct? Yeah, we're all under the same the, the, the same sort of umbrella. NJ Advanced Media you know, owns the Ledger and owns uh, NJ Cannabis Insider. But I, I've been a reporter for uh, the Star Ledger for a number of years. Okay. And you've... Uh, NJ Cannabis Insider has kind of become the paper of record for the cannabis industry for New Jersey. Yeah, well, we like to think so, and people seem to be reading it, so that, that it tends to help. Now, are you a you're a, a subscription service? Is that right? That's correct. Okay, and is it online only? Online only, premium. Uh, so providing exclusive to our readers and keeping them informed of uh, the, the important trends that are happening and the people that are making these things happen. Right. One of the benefits, I guess, that you have afforded to you by being online is that you don't necessarily have to think about issues. Do you just add new articles when you feel like it, or do you come out with issues? Oh, no. Every every week I'm thinking about issues. I'm usually trying to think at least a couple issues ahead. Uh, I, I, you know, as I was telling you before, I came, I came from a, a background of a, a weekly paper, so got used to building, needing a certain amount of stories every week. So we have regular features that, that are in there. I'm always looking for, uh, you know, folks to contribute guest columns, you know, on their areas of expertise. We do a recurrent uh, piece called Five Questions, where it's a, a Q&A with notable folks in the space. Also, a bold-faced names column that we call our power players column. So, uh, important events, uh, news like you know, from like acquisitions happening in the cannabis space, new hires. Like, just like this week's issue, we're going to be talking about the uh, three new people joining the uh, marijuana policy projects uh, board. But then also a lead story. Usually, what we're trying, what we try to you know, tack the theme of the issue to. Okay, you pretty much tackle all aspects mm -hmm. of cannabis in New Jersey. Yeah, that's what we look to do, uh, especially, you know, my fantastic colleagues on uh, there, Peyton, Sue, uh, Claude, and Jonathan. We uh, really try to round it out with, you know, politics, industry, various legal issues facing the uh, the marketplace and the industry in New Jersey, along with our reporter Jonathan down in D.C. is keeping track of national events. So he's in contact with, like, the NCIA quite a bit. I see. Now, things that you would expect have a little bit of a halo effect even before we legalize um, in New Jersey, especially being kind of a warehousing capital mm -hmm. of, our, of our country, uh, would be real estate. Mm -hmm. And you guys, I noticed, had a few articles about that. And yep. that kind of started early. People were thinking, hmm, the best way to grow marijuana mm -hmm. is in a warehouse, and therefore I might grab me a warehouse. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, especially because of the way that New Jersey was looking to position itself as being primarily indoor grow. And trying uh, so 
you had a lot of folks looking to grab that up but you have other players that like in like you know, Hunterdon County, Warren County, down in South Jersey, looking to do like you know, more like the high tech greenhouses in terms of cultivation. Because, well, if you can grow things, it's a lot easier to get sun, you know, sunlight and use it, and then you know, creating a huge carbon footprint from you know your electrical costs. Right. Absolutely. But site control is like a big one of the big things that you know in this current initial licensing round that they had uh, when Governor Murphy's Department of Health opened up the uh, applications for six new licenses. One of the things that we kept hearing about how site control was going to be a huge, hugely important for anybody looking to move forward in in their application. So having having control of the real estate, having the sign off of local municipalities, and you know basically having that that buy in. That way, you're not going to be getting pushback when you try to move forward on your uh on your plans okay site control being another way of saying you already have kind of fought the battle you don't just get a piece of paper from the government saying you can Mm -hmm. do a facility Mm -hmm. somewhere you already know where that's going to be you know where it's going to be so you either have you know some sort of long-term you know some sort of lease that's contingent upon the application going through or you, you actually own the property outright. Oh, okay. So, so again, New Jersey kind of already has benefited mm-hmm. in a way by prices mm-hmm. going up in that re- sure. in that respect. Yeah. That's interesting. Although, um, in Montgomery, where I live, and certainly places uh, you were talking about how you uh, lived on the beach or, mm-hmm. or in the uh, New Jersey Shore mm-hmm. area for a while. That's right. Um, it's not the beach, it's the shore. <laughs> exactly. Down the shore. So... Uh, People uh, and municipalities, uh, for some reason, are trying to quickly vote out the ability to cultivate or dispense in their municipalities. Yeah, it's fairly common across markets from what we've seen. It's the NIMBY, you know, approach. Nobody wants it in their backyard. Um, so there's usually that knee-jerk reaction, especially among a lot of like local lawmakers. They, they want to be seen as getting something done. But if they haven't even viewed the legislation, it's kind of premature. But I'm also feeling like, so Montgomery, where I am, and everyone in New Jersey feels the sting of property tax. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, this feels like something that could offset that a little bit. And immediately we vote that that we're not allowed to have any of the benefit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, and that was one of the things that that one of these uh, uh, cannabis groups at conducting a market survey and when you tie you know legalization to oh well what if it, you know the rateables produced by that could lower your property taxes well you get a lot more a lot of people you know being interested but generally we see you know you know in in new jersey and across the u.s you know <laughs> well over the, the majority at this point i mean i was at a at a, uh, a law enforcement conference earlier this year and it was the focus of the conference was well legalization is basically happening uh the people are in favor of it so you you're gonna have to figure out ways to deal with this it's not going to be the same world it's not an enlightened view to immediately vote it out i mean i'm trying to even see what the purpose is who are you protecting because i i understand maybe you don't want a dispensary near a school mm-hmm. but there's already laws that protect that from happening well especially like most of the from what we've seen in terms of the zoning you're not gonna like the way that it's set out right now for any of these places that have received local assurances they're usually uh, you know from from everything that i've heard that they, they've been zoned a thousand feet away from a school so okay. they have to do it like the maximum distance you can you know the drug-free school zone uh right um, but, you know, 
but that's also that's created challenges for people looking for those properties because then it puts you in uh, in the fringes for some communities or right. completely out, out, away from any sort of commerce. Well, not to mention that soon uh, marijuana might be classified differently and not be under the drug free school zone yeah. umbrella. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, we know we we know that you know uh, the, like right now the the, the Trump administration's uh, the FDA has. Uh, looking for public comment in terms of the uh, rescheduling of, uh, of cannabis among other drugs. And a lot of that is a f- uh, pursuant to stuff that was happening with the World Health Organization earlier this year as it was coming up for review. Because as, as we see, we now have Canada this week, you know, the first G7 country that's going to be doing outright legalization. So, right. you know, the times they are changing. Yes, Absolutely. So hopefully, uh, I mean, state by state, we're catching up to Canada, but mm-hmm. they, they definitely pulled ahead of us. Yeah, oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so I do understand, you know, the dispensary issue with lawmakers and not wanting it near schools or possibly in the center of town. But cultivation-wise, what do people see as a threat there, having marijuana grown on a field? It's mm-hmm. just a crop. It doesn't really yeah. affect anything. Well, especially it's a crop that's been grown with, you know, has grown up with human civilization for as far, you know, back as we, you know, anthropologists have been able to see. But, you know, a lot of it, you know, frankly, you know, from what I've seen, it comes down to not in my backyard or, you know, old, the old uh, stigmatized uh, mindsets uh, of, you know, generations currently in power. Just, we don't want it. We never want it. We don't want to, you know, have to deal with it. Just keep it out. Yep. But while while we've seen a lot of the you know towns looking to do some form of ban, the overwhelming majority still haven't made up their mind. I mean, we've got boroughitis in in New Jersey, so we've got you know uh, over five hundred was it sixty five? It's five sixty five, I think, that we have in terms of towns. So, <laughs> well, the ones that make the headlines are the folks that are saying no, or some, uh-huh. or or the scant few who are saying yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're on board. It's everybody is you know kind of sitting on the fence waiting to see what's going to happen and what, you know, frankly, what their buy-in is going to be. Right. Because that's one, one of the things that we, you know, we've seen um, with respect to some of the, the conversation happening with municipalities is that they're very concerned about it. You know, what what is the, you know, what is their bottom line? What, how is this going to benefit them? So, for for example, you know, municipalities, they're looking for about five, uh, 5% of tax revenue taken in from this which is more than what we've seen in, in other states. Um, but the uh, last during the last discussion with uh, legislators, it was the, uh, the proposal that I saw was uh, 2% uh, in, in terms of an excise tax and, uh, tax and 1% in terms of a, a taxable uh, uh, revenue from for uh, use in drug prevention and drug tra- treatment programs. So. Hmm. There un- until they get that sorted out, I, I think you're still going to have the municipalities and legislators butting heads on that. Right. Well, uh, it seems timely that once we started talking about mm-hmm. legislation, mm-hmm. which, well, obviously that sort of overshadows mm-hmm. everything we have been mm-hmm. discussing. But let's get into the specifics. And it just so happens that we are now joined mm-hmm. by Hugh O'Byrne, who's the president of the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association. Hello, Hugh. How are you? Hey, Tom. Hey, Justin. How are you? How's it going, Hugh? Good. What? 
Justin, would you say is the most interesting news item with regard to cannabis that's getting the readers excited today? Is it the current state of legislation? Beneath all the news and all the headlines that are happening and between each different iteration of a bill, it's there's definitely uh, an enthusiasm and kind of this nervous energy underneath as because people feel like it's it's happening. We're, you know, incrementally it's moving closer. We have the latest date is October 29th. But from folks that I've spoken to, they don't see that that that's necessarily going to happen by that time um, in terms of getting like a, a vote through. Uh, but it seems we're on the track and the conversations that are happening are, you know, much more in the deep in terms of details instead of just broad strokes. So overall, it's the enthusiasm of we're finally getting to a point when things could happen in the Garden State. Right. And uh Let's ask someone who brushes elbows with legislators on a daily basis. Would you agree with that, Hugh, that uh, it's down to the details? Uh, Yes. Yes, I do. I agree with Justin. I think that the trajectory is pretty well set and that where we are is discussing a variety of details, which are all important, but it's not the binary decision of up or down. It seems like the view of, uh, of legalization is something that we will be dealing with uh, and reality, but how is the question? Right. Last time I had a bunch of uh, NJCIA uh, members in this room, I believe, uh, for a podcast. We kind of were talking about the tethering of the medical and the adult use bill, uh, recreational bill, together because it seemed like there were enough votes. Is that still a thing or did that sort of not happen? It's still up in the air, as far as I can tell. Uh, I haven't heard any reason to think that the tie-barring of the bills has changed or the intention around that has changed. Um, Depending upon where uh, the adult use bill comes out and what that looks like as far as timing will certainly impact whether or not the tie-barring would continue to make sense. I mean, that's the intention. Justin, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've heard nothing to... I just spoke with Senator Vitale, the sponsor of the medical bill uh, this morning. There's been, you know, no no discussion as far as he or I have been aware with removing the tie bar on that. In some ways, it's it's unfortunate. The medical expansion had a lot more support uh, and could have frankly gone through a lot easier. The expansion of the medical was going to happen no matter what. Isn't that right? Well, I mean, it, it has already in okay. part, and it could continue to. Okay. And the, the bill itself, the medical bill, has a lot of very important provisions with regard to patient access, costs, uh, and a number of other things that have been a burden on patients. We had also talked here about the anemic numbers of the medical number of patients starting to rise rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe at the time it was in the ten to 15,000 mm-hmm. range of patients. Mm-hmm. And are we far above 25,000 now or something? Oh, we're, right uh, we're, I think we're at 33 last I, last I checked. Okay, so, wow. So yes. that is growing yeah, rapidly. We've, so we've doubled, doubled access. I mean, and, and that's part of the... The thing that's concerned a lot of folks, because as you're, you know, you have six dispensaries that are open right now and providing, uh, you know, med- medicine to all these patients, but then steadily increasing numbers, you're, you know, quickly, you know, running into supply issues. So that's one of the reasons that the Murphy's Department of Health is uh, doubling the number of uh, medical licenses. 
though. Again, folks weren't necessarily pleased with that because of six more vertically integrated businesses, giving what a lot of folks think is probably going to be well-capitalized players a starting lead, you know, with respect to the industry in New Jersey. You know, that sent up a few eyebrows, but... Right. And when are we finding out about who was accepted into those six, Hugh? Do you know? Uh, Well, we know that the Department of Health has uh, postponed its uh, November 1 deadline due to the sheer volume of 30,000 pages uh, worth of uh, applications from the 146 applicants. Right. Right. So it just becomes a huge logistics burden Mm -hmm. for them to get through all of that in a, in a competent manner. So they need, uh, and I've indicated that they won't make November one deadline, but that, you know, they're working through it as expeditiously and appropriately as possible. Wow. It was, what, 146 applications that were put in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That require hundreds of pages worth of material to provide to the Department of Health. And then they're going to have, the review team's going to have to go through every (laughs) single point trying to, you know, assess what everybody's score is. If you have well-capitalized players that don't necessarily make it in, then there's going to be finger pointing. The blame game's going to come up. Well, they could also just say, I mean, despite the paperwork, mm-hmm. they could also just say, well, we're going to release another six yeah. and get in line there, right? Couldn't they? Uh, presumably. Presumably. They but knowing the the way that it's had to be done administratively, it, it would seem that they would probably be a bit more measured in their approach and they wouldn't. it wouldn't be something that they would just do at the drop of a hat. There would probably be some sort of signaling to, to, to folks in advance. Well, that's also, I mean... in. In terms of mom and pop players waiting on the sidelines for mm-hmm. this law that they've been waiting for for a while to change to open up their own dispensaries. Mm-hmm. So now that's been pushed back even further because first you have to wait for these six mm-hmm. to clear and and then you have to wait for the issuance of licenses that aren't fully integrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any indication of that? Is there any talk about that? Or are they trying to first get through these hurdles? Like, let's legalize it first. Let's get these six operating. Well, I think the Department of Health is very, you know, quite focused on what what it is they have to do administratively. Uh, you know, getting getting these six licenses issued. Uh, the you know. They try to avoid making public statements about uh, with respect to legislation, but uh, you know that that could weigh in on it. I mean, initially they they said that you know looking to you know open up more licenses in the fall or winter, but I suspect that's probably going to get pushed back just due to the sheer volume of work that they have ahead of them. Right, and I think they do want to be you know careful and and respectful of the legislative process. I mean, if the bills are coming and they're on their way. They describe a new um, sort of paradigm for applications and, and industry architecture. And I don't think with that on the horizon that they're wanting to get in the way of that or muddy those waters if it's coming. Right. Now, an issue uh, kind of changing the channel a tiny bit facing, I guess, every state that legalizes um, is businesses coming in and needing capitalization mm-hmm. for for those businesses. Um, is there anything in the law or is there a way to address the fact that you kind of don't have access to banks, traditional banks? Mm-hmm. Is there is there anything going on with regard to that in the legislation or have people figured out ways around that? Not from what I've seen. Yeah, I haven't seen anything yeah. um, specifically on that in the legislation. Mm-hmm. So how do businesses borrow money? You know, well, usually they serve as a <laughs> they serve as a foothold for some well capitalized operator looking to m- make their way in the space. That's one one of the things we've seen, you know, with you know whether it's you know, 
Ianthus, uh, MedMen, Acreage Holdings. Everybody tries to, uh, you know, you know, a lot of the larger players are looking to ma- make a play for New Jersey because of the limited number of licenses. So whether that, you know, that means a strategic partnership so that they can, you know, do business there or, you know, some other sort of arrangement. My question, I guess, even expands to um, if you're in a dispensary, uh, well, at least in Colorado, they were cash only because of the, you know, yeah. the credit cards are, are tethered to banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing here in New uh, Jersey? Yeah, you, you have, there are a number of folks that are trying to provide payment solutions. Uh, I don't think anybody's really nailed it just yet, um, but there are, you know, there are folks that are trying to, you know, make it easier for patients, but uh, you still have the cash only sort of payment system very you know it's a lot easier to do that if you like we'll we'll have an atm on premises for you you can pull the cash out there yeah. but um yeah and until i mean a lot of that comes down to just the the federal issues it's what we'll lose end up losing that is federal legalization because banks are extremely cagey about doing any sort of you know cannabis banking there are banks in new jersey and uh, some credit unions who have been you know looking who have either been doing this or or looking to do this but they're not necessarily advertising that because they don't want to put a you know big target on their head for uh federal regulators understood so justin thanks for kind of bringing us up to date on the current state of legislation and other things happening in new jersey but let's uh turn to you i'm i'm curious and i know hugh is as well about how you became uh, the paper of record, so to speak, of the cannabis industry in New Jersey. Well, it started in the beginning of the year. Um, I had a, we ended up having a, a new news director uh, over at uh, NG Advanced Media, the, the Ledger, and he had a, a, a question that he was posing to every every reporter as he was doing getting getting to know everybody. What is it uh, that we should be covering that we're not covering? And I, you know, this was post the uh, election of uh, Governor Phil Murphy and I had been following from you know you know in my capacity as a as a journalist I've been watching it observing the lar- the larger trends that I was seeing uh, and it just seemed obvious to me that you know obviously we should be covering the cannabis industry this is something we should be doing uh, and my my company happened to agree with me they ended up getting a, our you know great reporter for uh, cannabis uh, covering cannabis for the general audience Peyton uh, but then they wanted to do something different. They were looking to, you know, obviously some conversations that they had had uh, separately, looking to do a, you know, a weekly vertical uh, focused specifically on the cannabis industry, providing exclusives and really trying to uh, put put our finger onto the pulse and of what is happening in New Jersey and what are what are the important policies uh, that that are happening the the people the events that are shaping what's going to unfold in New Jersey in the coming you know year five years ten years I mean there's a you know there's a lot of things that we you know we can fortunately cover because of our a broad scope in you know in terms of the Garden State but you know our hyper focus on the industry and you know and its impact Justin what what I've been curious what would you say has been the most surprising thing uh, since you got going on this project that you've discovered uh, in in trying to be the cannabis focused um, journalist I mean, you know, when I when we first started, I was kind of I was reticent in some ways because I thought, I don't know, are we getting are we getting to market too early on this? Just because I knew it was going to take a lot longer than the 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 government line. Uh, you know, first it was the 
the uh, the hundred days. Uh, it wasn't the wasn't uh, Governor Murphy who said it. He had agreed when when uh, asked that question. Uh, but then they got pushed back some more. But each time I, we saw, you know, the there there was it was like still water, but there were rushing currents underneath. You could you, you could feel that there was that, that there is a definite movement beneath the waves, and it's finally starting to roil up to the surface. I should also plug the website njcannabisinsider.biz. So, Dot biz. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend going. It's it's worth it. Justin, I'm curious. This is the big question that's frequently asked, and it's always a difficult one, but um, what keeps you up at night from your perspective in what you just talked about, these rushing undercurrents that are now starting to percolate up? I mean, to me, what keeps me up at night is you know, whether or not the industry is actually going to look like New Jersey or it's just going to look like a, a lot of well, well-moneyed folks who are kind of controlling everything. I mean, that that that's one of the, you know, you have... You have folks that have been, you know, plenty of folks, I'm sure even in Princeton here, who have been growing cannabis for years. And I mean, you, that's one of the things you can go to every community. There's somebody who has been doing it because it's, you know, if you can grow a tomato, if you can grow, you know, plants, you can you can grow that, you know, a ubiquitously grown, you know, crop like cannabis. Uh, so trying to, you know, when, when they trying to monetize something that was formerly you know, illegal, you, you know, one, one grows concerned about like, what are the interests that are going to be controlling that and shaping, shaping whatever legislation that comes out to benefit them. I mean, then that's why one of the things that we, we've seen is like the, the, in the proposed bill that's out there, a wholesaler license that the liquor industry has been pushing for because, well, they, they know how to, they know how to do distribution and wholesaling. So they feel it's a natural fit for them, but a lot of other folks might might take issue since it's a, another link in the supply chain. From you already have cultivation, you already have yeah, you already have um, you know manufacturing, processing, and now dispensing. Mm, okay, I guess wholesaling. There, there, there you go. <laughs> you might turn that question over to you, Hugh. What keeps you up? Because I know you have different issues. Uh, there's similar issues. Um, the, the, the issues that I find really um, weighing on me is basically how broad and well participated in will this market be? Is it going to be essentially um, part of a larger roll-up of large companies coming in? Or is this going to be an opportunity for um, entrepreneurship to come? And you see that tension in the bills um, where then, and what do I mean by tension? Well, there's certainly concerns, especially coming with medical first around making certain that there's um, an extreme focus on quality and efficiency of, of uh, operations and, and getting to market adequately, providing patients with, the, with access. But beyond that, in the adult use context, those concerns drop uh, to some degree, and we have public policy considerations that we should be very careful of about having New Jerseyans be able to get into this business and be able to um, get some capital formed around their operations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, bringing the focus briefly uh, up into the national level, big players like Coke, 
announced that they're going to infuse some products with uh, cannabis and their yeah, stock CBD. shot up yeah. with CBD. Yeah. And then um, I think Constellation Brands, which, which is alcohol, <laughs> um, bought a little chunk of canopy. Well, not a little chunk, mm-hmm. but a decent-sized mm-hmm. chunk of canopy growth. Uh, which is a publicly traded Canadian company, I think. Yeah, a lot. A lot of folks are trading on the or are, are trading or looking to trade on the Canadian stock exchange. So, if you start seeing alcohol companies purchasing uh, stakes in cannabis companies, there must be some data now about what legalized cannabis use, how it has affected alcohol consumption mm-hmm. and use on a on a large scale basis. Does anyone know? Has it reduced it? Yeah, from I mean, from from the uh, from some of the studies that you know, or you know, in market surveys that have been put out there, they've shown a decrease in alcohol consumption in, in states post legalization. Just like they've seen reduction, like you know, in terms of like a uh, like a Medicare and Medicaid studies that were done, like the reduced uh, trips to the ER and reduced overdoses from opiates in in states you know, post in in, uh, in Colorado post legalization for that particular study, but. Interesting. So reduced opiate use that everyone could probably agree on mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah, that's one of the, and that's one of the the uh, the uh, talking points that a lot of folks have been pushing on that. But and it, reduced alcohol you know, use might not be viewed as fantastic by the alcohol industry, it, but still. But is if fan- they have a foothold in there and they and they've bought, exactly. they've bought secured their position in the market there, well, it, it, <laughs> it's a good way to diversify their portfolio. There it is. That's kind of what uh, the the conclusion I was trying yeah. to. Push toward. Yeah. I mean, we see something really bizarre occurring in that you see so many U.S. companies that Justin just alluded to are looking to um, become public and take a, advantage of the um, cheaper cost of capital by being public and the Canadian stock exchange, because, of course, the American exchanges are not available to American players or anyone that conducts business in America. But at the same time, we see Canadian players who don't conduct business in America seeking access to the U.S. capital markets. Um, so it's it's very odd. If you're in the U.S., you have to go to Canada. And if you're in Canada, you can be in Canada, but you also want to be in the U.S. and you can. So it's very interesting in that Tilray, which had a tremendous um, IPO, uh, did it on the NASDAQ. It was the first one uh, that did that. I mean, prior, there were dual listings. So a company would in Canada would typically list on the TSX, not the CSE. Mm-hmm. And then they would um, then they would dual list on either the NYSE or, or NASDAQ, but Tilray went the opposite direction. Uh, meanwhile, U.S. companies are uh, need to go to the Canadian Stock Exchange, which is sort of the smaller um, of, the, of the two Canadian exchanges. Well, that's great. Well, I think we've kept Justin uh, long enough. Thank you so much for coming down, Justin, from uh, the Woodbridge area, right? Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thanks, Hugh, for stopping by. It's always a pleasure, Tom. All right. So long. Take care. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at osirispod.com.